Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. Today on the Ether, a free lecture by Professor Cephalopod, PhD, MD, MBBS, BS, about the Lunk, Luna, and the FTT drama that CZ caused. Wait, is that right? Oh, well, let's take a listen. Hey, I'm going to wait for a few folks to trickle in. Trying to see if uh, Bruce and some of our friends are available. Give me a minute. I think we're going to discuss Solana a little bit first today, since it's kind of the most at-risk situation. Hey, Bruce, you... Hello, Patrick. You can... Hello. I have joined now. Like, every time you use that voice, I feel the need to, like, mimic it for some reason. It's like, like I immediately want to channel that voice. It's very strange. Sometimes I become a little bit self-conscious because when you make that voice too, it makes me feel like you are mocking me. Mm. So how, did you end up opening a Solana short yesterday or no? No, I did not open a Solana short because in the past I had many bad experiences shorting coin like this, like when the Celsius short was happening. I shorted Celsius and then I got liquidated for a lot of money, so I have avoided these things because they can suddenly bounce up. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I think I caught most of that. Um, yeah, I think Pantera opened a short yesterday. He's kind of debating whether to let it ride. I think he probably should. Uh, I think, uh, so Alameda has a bunch of Solana. And I think the probability that they are going to have to liquidate that and some other things like Aptos and whatnot are pretty high. So anything that they own um, is probably going to have some selling pressure associated with it, I, I imagine. Um, yeah. I'm not fully sure, though, how much uh, counterparty activity there is between FTT and Alameda, but the way that people are sort of describing the problem, um, FTT sort of bailed out some of uh, Alameda's shenanigans, so Alameda would otherwise be a three arrows capital type situation if it wasn't for the funds of FTT. So, you know, obviously FTT is kind of a already a security essentially that, um, you know, is owned by lots of people on the FTT platform, you know, a lot of users uh, and other investors. And then they use that to uh, kind of bail out Alameda. So that probably has already put some negative price pressure on FTT long before this happened. And they did this to kind of you know, save a company that basically is owned by the same people. So like an independent exchange would normally not have done something like that. Typically, the other weird thing is like, you know, this whole idea of CZ both being an investor in uh, FTX originally previously, then sort of divesting some of his funds and then but still holding FTT 
like really if you're going to be a exchange uh you really shouldn't simultaneously be uh either an investor in one of the coins or you shouldn't be a um, market maker because obviously you know anything cz does or says can move the market and this is the reason why those things should be separated and we're not so it's just uh more drama so like i, I kind of see this as the same kind of thing like cz kind of uh try to plays the hero or whatever but he's definitely not not in the luna situation with ust he's not a hero in the in the ftt situation um this is what happens when you sort of commingle funds that uh, like this so yeah i don't know i think he uh binance it's one thing to say well binance can invest in certain things but that should imply that their funds should be locked you know, for a very, very long time or have a really long token unlock schedule. Otherwise, it just becomes, um, you know, I think what happened was is that Sam Bankman-Fried and CZ, when they first made all these arrangements, they were probably very friendly. And uh, they didn't really obligate um, each other to certain um, sort of standards or whatever. And, you know, uh, CZ selling FTT whenever he feels like probably would be one of those standards that should have been considered so this is the reason why like a lot of times when you're forming businesses contracts can be so complicated even simple stuff like hiring employees and you know like hiring ceos and stuff there's so many different components in these contracts because there are many many sort of conflicts of interest that can occur there are you know it's a big game theory and even with all of that like you can still make a lot of mistakes um but this is the reason why like lawyers make so much money is they figure out how to create contracts and stuff to prevent these kinds of things. But anyway, yeah, a lot of drama. And I think the same thing could be said back when UST collapsed. You know, my recap on that is that basically if you're going to offer a stable coin, uh, say, for example, a tether or you're going to offer a circle USDC or UST algorithmic, whatever it is, uh, MakerDAO's coin, whatever. Um, you know, if you offer it in your stablecoin section, the consumer, probably 90% of people don't know the nuances one way or the other and, you know, should not be investing in that or using that token uh, unless, you know, the exchange can guarantee one-to-one -one remittance with a dollar. And that's the reason why, you know, that was part of the reason why that crashed. So like in Binance uh, specifically, they have USDT, they have Circle on the platform, they had UST or now USTC, and they don't offer one-to-one -one remittance. So, and on top of that, they offer the ability to short both USTC and they offer the ability to short Luna. So like you put all the tools in one place to destroy the thing, then pretend like you're the good guy offering a stable coin, uh, which isn't technically a you know traditional stable coin. And even USDT and Circle, by the way, you can lose all your funds if you happen to have a lot on there. And uh, one of those companies goes under for some reason. And you know, Binance will say, well, you know, we we're we're just an exchange, we're just listing this stable coin thing. And um, but like this type of thing in a traditional bank, like if you were gonna be at a bank in, I don't know, any country in the world today, and you offered up any sort of uh, paper note in exchange for uh, a dollar for a, a perfect example would of this would be like um, like a money market note like you get like for example if you go on fidelity or something like that you go on a stock trading exchange um, you may have a money market note that represents the value of your dollars um, as a 
kind of, you know, a, a, almost like a token they issue you in a sense, same kind of concept. And they have to be willing to provide you $1 for the that note. If they're not, there's like all sorts of regulatory issues and uh, whatnot. So basically, Binance, like a lot of the stuff that they are doing is clearly in violation of probably every country's rules in terms of like commingling of exchanges, uh, market makers, brokerages, banks, etc. And um, they've sort of stayed neutral in a sense that they don't offer fiat, uh, I don't think, on the platform, as far as I remember, um, like KuCoin does not, uh, uh, for example. And uh, that kind of protects them in a sense. But like at the end of the day, um, just realize that your funds are only marginally safe in case of some sort of major event, even on Binance. But like Binance is clearly like trading against its own investors. What do I mean by that? So let's say you have FTT on Binance and let's say you had a long position and CZ comes out and tweets, hey, you know what, we're going to sell, I don't know, FTT token. So now your position got wrecked and it was a result, direct result of the exchange itself. That's pretty much illegal in almost every, uh, like in almost every jurisdiction known to man. So um, these kinds of things, um, you know, and so of the different uh, exchanges this last year, like Celsius and uh, Voyager and others, um, have had different. One second. Uh, sorry, uh, many different exchanges this year had different issues uh, that led to their demise. Each of them slightly, uh, like maybe more interesting than the other, uh, but all of them were some form of degen play um, and some form of uh, like favoring their own growth over the protection of investors. Um, in each in each example, this pretty much played out on pretty much every exchange. Um, I think at least Binance says that they don't take on debt using consumer funds. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean that uh, you can't get wrecked on Binance with certain types of uh, positions, just like the FTP pe FTT people just realized. So anyway, that's kind of my theory this morning as far as like the overall picture. But I don't know what kind of ire that's going to raise against um, against Binance. Oops, Bruce fell off there for a second. Uh, hey, Mega, what's up? Good day, CV. Yeah, what's up? How are you man? doing? Good. Good, good. What's your thank, thoughts? Thank you for all the information you are providing. Okay. And I have a question, if I may. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Thank you, sir. Do you yourself, okay, do you consider BTC is a safe haven? Mm, yeah, it's a relative safe haven. Uh, now, it doesn't mean that your money's, if you put cash into it, it doesn't mean your cash value can't go down. But outside of that, um, it's the closest safe haven you're likely to get before some sort of uh, any kind of major changes to sort of like uh, quantum computing and other vectors. Um, so the, the, uh, there are some technologies that ultimately can create lots and lots of attack vectors, not necessarily directly to the Bitcoin network, but all the layers of networks around it. Um, so there are not, um, yeah, there's nothing absolutely safe in that regard. Um, you also have even simple things like gold, for example. Um, you know, there's it's not absolutely safe from a financial perspective. Um, these things can collapse in price or immediate value. 
so yeah, there's there's nothing. I don't know that there's anything really truly 100% safe. Um, I know if you've been in real estate, anybody who's been in real estate um, and has had a major crash there too, sometimes real estate crashes can lead to up to 70% drawdowns as well. So yeah, you know, safe is uh, a relative. You, term. you know why why I'm asking, okay? Because okay, last year okay, I bought one coin with sixty nine. Okay, now okay, more than fifty uh, percent uh, of its value, you know, dropped. So you bought it at the very top. Is that what you're telling me? Yes, you are correct. Well, I think uh, I think the. Um, yeah, if you try to sell it now, obviously there's going to be an issue. But if I bought it uh, that high, I wouldn't necessarily, um, I wouldn't uh, necessarily kind of run off and sell it now. As a you know, just to uh, you know, like uh, I, it depends. I, it, it depends on when people need their money, right? So, like on the way down, I tend to get more Bitcoin because it's fairly simple, um, you, you know. But as far as like to me, proof of work networks are better stores of value when they're at their bottoms. The trick is finding out when the bottom is exactly. But you know, you're not going to expect a constant value for something like Bitcoin because its market cap is, you know, under half a trillion dollars and at that level you should expect extreme volatility just like you would with like a a blue chip stock or something. So even something like, I don't know, uh a Tesla or Facebook stock or things like that can have very high volatility um, and they can be volatile upward up to like, you know, 80% and things like that. So yeah, this is just something you have to consider. I think you have to evaluate how you buy things too. Like if um, I have a simple rule, like if, you know, I should only get as much as I can afford to buy more of. So, you know, like if something's going to drop 90%, I should be able to like buy like maybe 20 to 30 X the initial price that I paid. Uh, so that's just my general rule. Like, so therefore, like I should have quite a bit of cash available to do such a thing. You were, you, you were, you were cutting off uh, CV. Okay. So oh, do you anyway. think that this is the bottom? Okay. 17,500. Do I think it's the bottom? I really don't know. Um, I think it's a uh, fair price now though. If you look at the cost to mine and you look at, um, you know, the retracement from the top, I think the price is getting quite, it's quite fair in this region. That doesn't mean it can't go down further, but it, I think it's reasonable at this region. Um, as far as like the compare. So is it possible also, to go down more? Is maybe. it possible? Yeah, well, anything's possible. So nobody can tell you for sure. Uh, I, I would say like it's, it's simple. The simple math is the lower it goes, the easier decision it becomes to buy. Does that make sense? Like, I, so I, you know, I, I think of it as buying exponentially on the way down is the only right mathematically reasonable way to do it. Because if anything that moves with exponential price movements, it should be purchased with exponential price. Um, I mean, exponential strategy. So what, what, what what's happening? What, 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 what's happening now? Is it related to the midterm election in the States or no? Uh, not really. Usually with elections, uh, the stock market will rally. Uh, oftentimes, um, once that uncertainty is taken out, but the stock market still just has too much growth price into it, especially tech stocks. You know, I kind of tweet about this from time to time. The tech stock market, the NASDAQ and such, you know, big companies like Apple and whatever could easily still drop 50% from here. 
And that I think is Max Payne. So if you're asking like, okay, when could crypto balance out? Uh, I think you have to remember that a significant portion of things like Bitcoin are owned by Silicon Valley type people. Okay, so when they are suffering in other ways, like the price of their portfolios are going down, their probability of potentially um, having to sell Bitcoin for various reasons increases. Um, so that would be a, a reason why there's some correlation in that market. But uh, yeah, I don't think uh, you're out of the woods until you know the stock market, as particularly the Nasdaq. I would say. Um, has sort of met its um, met its bottom, and if you look at price to earnings ratio right now, like for example, Apple, I think is like a twenty two or so. I remember buying Apple periodically when uh, it was like I think it was the mid mid twenty tens, um, where the Apple's PDE ratio is low as fifteen. It was a great buy. So if that drops to a PDE ratio of fifteen, then that's a substantial drop, and that would that represents a significant portion of the Nasdaq. A variety of stocks like Amazon, Tesla, um, you know, like uh, Google, this and that are all still overvalued, in my opinion. They could easily drop um, another 50%. And if that happens, then crypto is going to go down with it almost assuredly, um, just based on the correlations between Bitcoin and the general market over the last two, three years. It's pretty highly correlated. And so I think um, that's, yeah, my theory. So uh, at the same time, like, do I think that BTC is likely to recover faster than the stock market in terms of multiples? I think so. So I think it's when Bitcoin's at its bottoms, like when it was at 3000, when it was at 3500, things like that. I remember like those were really easy buys to make. And, you know, the upside was really high relative to stocks. And that turned out to be true. Uh, Bitcoin even now has beaten pretty much most of the stock market if you had bought at the right time. Um, like for sure, like it just completely blew everything else away. Cause you're like, you know, I bought Bitcoin at like 3,500 and 3,000 um, over the last few years, for example. And those buys are still well into the green, right? Like, like still well over a 5X. Whereas most of the stock market, that is not the case. Most of the things that popped during that time in the stock market have crashed considerably, like Shopify and a lot of other big, big companies. So yeah, I think uh, crypto, if you bought the bottoms, was way better of an investment then. Even if you didn't sell, like I didn't sell my Bitcoin, but even without selling, it's still the better investment. But that doesn't mean you can't get like crazy tops. But I wasn't buying at 69K like you were. Like that was not interesting to me at all. Like if I'm going to buy like closer to the cost to mine Bitcoin, because the opportunity cost otherwise would be for me to buy a Bitcoin ASIC miner, you know, at the bottom of a market uh, and then just simply mine it. That would be technically be the opportunity cost for a hedge fund or anybody else. And no one's going to go buy like hedge funds and such aren't going to buy at 60K if they know they can mine it, you know, and, you know, for like $20,000 a coin. Why would they go and buy it at 60K? They're just going to buy a miner and just mine it theoretically. So that's the that's kind of my take there. Unfortunately, the miners, um, the ASICs get more expensive during the when the price is really high, which is why some of the mining companies have pretty much become insolvent. They bought too many miners. They took on like loans and stuff. And now they can't pay their loans. They can't pay the 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 interest on their loans. Uh, they are shifting that, to a proof of stake. Who? No. Who? Who's switching to proof of stake? Like Ethereum, for example, okay. Yeah, Ethereum, but that, but they didn't do that for. Um, yeah, that's a different issue. I'm talking about just Bitcoin miners, particularly. Um, yeah, obviously, Ethereum switched to proof of stake. Um, we know that. That's more. Um, 
yeah, there's GPU and ASICs and stuff that came on the market as a result of those. And a lot of those ASICs, a lot of the GPU miners have moved on to other coins. And um, yeah, so anyway. Um, so answering your question, my uh, brother, okay, uh, which is more pain, uh, FTT or uh, Luna? What do you think? Uh, FTT or Luna, I think um, FTT has a chance to go to actual zero because, well, here's, well, crypto doesn't go to zero that easily just because, um, you know, people will forget it in their wallets and this and that. But anyway, the FTT is probably worse off because there's no obvious reason if CZ decides to buy FTT to continue using that token for anything. But the the bigger reason is uh, the uh, if you think about FTT and like Voyager token and Cell token, KuCoin token, like all of these exchange tokens, they give you a little bit of benefit in terms of like discounts on trades, but really they're just meme tokens tied to the name of the company. Like all of those tokens were a play on the advertiser network of FTT. Like so, as long as they were doing ads on YouTube and they were doing ads on you know television and you know like Crypto.com and you know, Voyager on with the Mavericks and NASCAR and all this shit, like all of these companies that were, you know, doing a lot of centralized advertising, these were centralized advertising plays where the coins value was dependent on like strong advertising, bringing in lots of users, right? At this point, like with FTX essentially being broke, the odds that you'd be able to maintain some kind of meme coin price on FTT is basically like non-existent. So there's no obvious reason for the token to really survive and probably many exchanges, you know, if the, if the exchange doesn't survive, then many exchanges will obviously just simply delist the coin. Luna is very different. Luna has active, um, it's a fully functioning Cosmos chain. Um, and the probability of it going to zero is much, much less than, um, than FTT. Uh, FTT is currently an ERC 20 token on the Ethereum network. Nothing's going to happen to the coin itself. It'll just sit there and, but, you know, is there going to be any value left in that? Probably not much. So that's just my theory there. Um, I saw a picture on Twitter, okay, with the CZ, okay, publishing by Luna. Is that real or just fake? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what you saw. Probably fake. I don't know. He doesn't usually say buy this or buy that. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you very much for all the permission yeah. you are giving. Thank you. Cool, man. Thank you, yep. sir. That's funny. Um, PhD, MDB. What is the title of this session all of a sudden? It went to, I don't know, Bruce, like, what, you, what have you done? I just describe what is happening. You, you are the actor. I'm the narrator. Live your life, Sefi. Let me, let me handle the narration and the descriptions and stuff like that. And the meta tags. I'll do all of that. You, you do the, do the lecture. It's fine. Anyway, well, with all of these, this drama going on, I think uh, some of the points I made before that we need kind of uh, like DeFi native immutable primitives, you know, like this talk I've been doing last few days. I think I'm going to figure out how to like create that white paper or some shit because like this has gotten out of hand, like the number of bullshit things in crypto has gotten out of hand. It's time to take matters into our own hands at some point. And um, yeah, I think we need to think about this a little bit and produce uh, things with like, you know, more perfect tokenomics, you know, networks without uh, all these shenanigans and uh, all the other governance and other bullshit that we usually see in DeFi and all of these like centralized pools of money. Mm. And we can solve, I think we can create something very interesting that people care about.
Imagine if it's like uh, the, the main author, Sefi, co-author, uh, Bruce, co-author, Xerox Sears. And then down the line, like five years from now, there's some kind of collapse. Like there's some kind of thing in the tokenomics we don't expect that causes some massive um, yeah, of course. new new form of a bank run. And then we're in a kind of a Doquan situation where you're the Doquan. I'm like Nicholas Plataeus hiding out somewhere in my own country. Like, oh, I was just a researcher, I swear. <laughs> and then Zurich <laughs> is hiding somewhere too. I was just a researcher. That's exactly I, right. Um, I was just I, I, a I researcher. Just, all I did was write the white paper. I didn't do any actual work. I'm already hiding. I already have to hide. So yeah. So that makes it easy, right? You're just roaming Europe randomly. Exactly. I'm game for. I'm game for for helping though. I could. Uh, I could help you write something, Sefi, if you like. Yeah, that should I'm be. I'm doing fun. a white paper right now, man. I'm literally looking at my screen. I'm making some graphics. I'm putting together a, a light paper. Um, this is not a joke. Yeah, but that's just the cash grab. Whereas me and Sefi are building the future. Right. <laughs> so if Ears does it, it's a cash grab. But if we do it, it's building the future. Is that what you're saying? Like it's kind of a. There's a difference, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Nickel, go ahead. Ask uh, regarding uh, the future of. Excuse me. I'm happy you gave me this opportunity. Uh, no. It's not your opportunity. It's Nicholas. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. By the way, uh, I'm some somebody very polite. I had a question. Well, no. Mind. I just wanna, <laughs> I just wanna ask, like, what are the, what is the future of collateral based projects? Yeah, that's actually a very good question. <laughs> this, this is exactly what I've been talking about. Is we need like we need more pristine collaterals. Um, so the the problem right now is that the baseline collaterals that people think of oftentimes tend to be things like I don't know, like the FTT token or the Lunk token or the Luna token or whatever. And the problem with those types of collaterals is um, they're not immutable. They can be modified by governance, which can cause dramatic shifts in um, not only the price of them, but uh, programmatically, something could happen to the code that wrecks the actual primary collateral. So I think like anything that's not relatively immutable should be just like avoided as a collateral at this point. I, that's kind of my general sense. Now you're going to have a lot of these type of products created, I think, and that's fine. Um, use them at your own leisure, I suppose. But I don't. I think um, within Cosmos IBC in particular, we need bridge-free, primary IBC native. Uh, immutable collaterals that people can use that are pe nobody's going to fuck with essentially, and that's a missing piece of the um, architecture right now, in my my belief. And the reason why people haven't produced that is because there's no money in it for the producer of the thing. The developer makes nothing <laughs> basically, and as a result, it's like a Satoshi Nakamoto situation. Uh, you know, like you you want to create a situation where like the the found there's no reason for the founders to exist after the coin actually is deployed. You don't want governance, you don't want committees, you don't want any of that shit. Um, none of that's necessary for the baseline sort of most pristine collaterals. I think people want the different yield bearing collaterals. Um, you know, you can use proof of stake collaterals that are relatively immutable. Um, it doesn't have to be Bitcoin necessarily. You can basically take a lot of the features of BTC, a lot of the features that people want and produce different sort of uh, pristine collaterals that 
have certain features and uh, that fit your particular investment thesis. Like, for example, like maybe some collaterals are not fixed supply. Um, they have an inflationary yield and then others uh, are maybe like Luna Classic, for example, which is kind of has a burn mechanism and it's a fixed supply right now. Um, and you might have others that are, um, you know, like uh, inflationary, but their total supply is fixed, sort of like Osmo tokens or something. And the more of these that you have, uh, the more opportunities people have to pick what they need to achieve certain financial goals. So if like, you know, if you like the price of something, it's low enough for you, it's inflationary and you want to have a yield bearing asset, well, then that's one choice you could make. On the other hand, if you prefer a fixed supply asset, maybe you could sell the yield from your inflationary asset and go buy the fixed supply asset or whatever, right? So you need to have all of those available. But the problem is right now, at least in the cosmos, all of those coins are tied to some sort of like project you know, like, you know, kind of a specific utility. And then they're also tied to specific governance. And the problem with that is that if something gets fucked up, well, you're left holding the bag. And, um, you know, I think that's, in a sense, like, what, where I see the problem. I think these things should be resilient to all external forms of shenanigans. Like, if you short the token, nothing should happen to you. You know, if someone, you know, you know, creates uh, external primitives and external projects like on Binance and stuff with perpetuals and whatever, then they shouldn't affect the primary performance of the token, which is why like, you know, Bitcoin still works and things like FTT has have dumped to oblivion. Um, yeah, you want to, um, yeah, you, you want to create lots of interesting new collaterals. Um, thanks. And like any comments on BUSD? Like, can we get like a uh, fun functioning and a mechanism like BUSD? Uh, is it possible? You mean like the stable thing? Um, yes. Yeah, sure. Well, I think once you create pristine collaterals, um, people can produce all sorts of things on top of that, which won't hurt the collateral. Um, so yeah, I think that's feasible. Um, you know, some sort of like, you know, equally collateralized or even under collateralized or over collateralized stable coins. I think in small scale, stable coins will be fine. It's when they get large scale that become problematic um, and have, th there's a lot of different things that have to happen to keep them working. But on, yeah, on a small scale, I think they'd be fine. Well, thanks for your answers. Yeah, cool, man. Uh, hey, Matt, what's up, man? Hey, good morning, y'all. How y'all doing today? Good. What you up to? Uh, just clocking in, bro. Um, saw Vegas had popped up. I was hoping to ask him a question, but looks like he, he already shut out. He, um, he messaged me and said he's having connection issues. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know where he is. Maybe he's in the woods doing some weird shit or something. Um, oh yeah. Also to go back to Theodore, go ahead, man. Um, I just wanted to let Nickel speak first, but it's your go now. Nope. Theo, no. Are you still there? Theodore Richmond, this is your one opportunity. Take it or forever live in regret. I don't know. I think some people just aren't winners. You know what I mean? They have they have the opportunity of a lifetime to speak to top Gs and they refuse to take it for whatever reason. I don't know why. Who can say why? Maybe it's their childhood. Maybe it's like, I don't know, low self-esteem or just they, on some level, they have a mindset that's going to keep them poor. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, go ahead, Cajun, if you want to say something. Good morning. I'll seize the opportunity. So, speaking of opportunities, I see a great opportunity here. Um, 
So every time someone fails at doing something, every time something breaks, every time something bad happens, um, I feel everyone around them can learn lessons on what not to do, how not to do things. So with all this stuff going on right now, how do we learn from this in the Luna Classic community and what lessons could be learned, what lessons could be applied to us growing our chain in the Luna Classic community based off of what we can learn from this? What do you think? Well, first off, I think uh, the, the focus should be on, uh, number one, like bulletproof tokenomics that uh, that serve a particular vision. And right now, like, what is that vision statement for Luna Classic? I haven't seen it yet. And secondly, you design a tokenomics to uh, incentivize a particular vision. And um, yeah, if you think like just maybe like randomly like producing something is going to be a good idea. I suppose that that could work. It could work just by pure chance alone. But ultimately, I think these these things succeed by design. Uh, both uh, Luna and Luna Classic are interesting in that the token distribution is like wildly randomized now, in a sense, because of the like heavily fudded, you know. Uh, like, you know, the, the system was like under extreme duress and under a lot of FUD and you had a lot of random people show up. So actually the token distribution um, and, you know, the validator distribution now is actually maybe substantially more decentralized than many other systems. Uh, all people have to do with these, this like sort of gift they've been given is not fuck it up, essentially. Um, it's actually very difficult to achieve this kind of token distribution. I think that's one of the interesting, um, I would say, advantages of both Luna and Luna Classic right now, that you could create things there that um, are more like, I guess, what's the way to say it? You know, you, the community could have like a wider role because the token distribution is much more fair than uh, in many sort of VC chains and whatever. So I think both uh, Luna 1 and Luna 2 or L Luna Classic and Luna uh, both have properties like this now that make them really interesting to me. Long term, Safi. Do you know? Are you familiar with who John Galt is from Orbital Command? Yeah. Uh, he often says he's often a bit of a a, a lunk fudder. He often says um, uh, his his little conspiracy theory he likes to push in various telegrams is that how do we know some malicious actor doesn't control like eighty percent of the lunk supply? Um, he he pushes this theory that like during the collapse, maybe some kind of sneaky person bought up almost all of it um, and staked it. Do you do you think that's unlikely? You mean I like maybe I bought like um, I don't know a hundred million dollars worth and I spread it across a bunch of wallets and a bunch of uh, and a bunch yep. of uh, uh, validators? Sure, it's possible. Certainly possible. There's no way to really like prove it for sure. So I think there's that. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it's possible. But I think, uh, I don't know, it, a lot of new people showed up and a lot of the coins are on exchanges, right? So, um, but, you know, that's the thing too, is like decentralization, the end users uh, don't really think about decentralization at a core level. They may not realize these properties and they don't move their coins off the exchange to a wallet and, you know, balance out the system in that way. So John may be correct, 
Like there's no reason why that couldn't be true. Um, and in these type of situations, like uh, many times the wealthy are the ones that can go in there and take advantage of this sort of thing. So, or someone who knows like the timing of it and everything. Right. So let's say there was someone that made a bunch of money by selling Luna and then they went and bought a bunch of Luna classic. It's quite possible. Uh, they have an, an, an outsized ownership of the thing. That's a risk people have to take, I think, or consider for sure. What do you think about that theory, Bruce? Any, any evidence that that might be the case? I think John Goat is desperate to pump his Luna bags. And the more he can kick Lunk down, the better for him in his perception. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't believe John Gold is right. Well, I guess the good thing is if the price goes, uh, if someone did do that and, you know, the price pumped and they sold, it's possible they already sold too. Because remember, there was quite a bit of a, a jump in Luna Classics price. And that's actually a good thing. You want the big players to profit, leave, and that leaves the... Um, like chain more widely distributed in terms of token ownership, ideally. I think but so, yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's very hard to be sure though. Cause you know, there's not like, it's not like everyone has a KYC wallet and you can tell mm. like how, you don't, people could have like hundreds of wallets, for example. Yeah. I can't believe a, a big actor would see it reach 4 billion um, without a clear leadership uh, just to have it hit such a hype train for such a, such a high valuation and not sell any of it. Um, and just remain like a, a big controller. I think that's unlikely. Yeah, it's unlikely. Yeah, smart money usually kind of is going to buy a lot at the bottom, and if they see a big 10x move or something like that, they're going to be selling on the way up or something. But um, also, like, I think if you think about it from the angle of well, at the time, everyone thought Luna Classic was fucked, right? Like they thought the the, the project was going downhill. So it's it makes it less likely that like a major fund or venture capital firm would have gambled on Luna Classic early on. So I think the early meme coin effect, meme coin effect of bringing in lots of retail individuals uh, is really the ingenious move. So the, the meme, like having it be a meme coin first with the burn mechanism was really, really important to making it useful at this point because the token distribution would have otherwise been, uh, well, either nobody would have bought it or the token distribution would have been, like you said, more like individual whales or whatever. And I think that meme point effect, um, uh, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to have a meme effect. I think um, it's good for token distribution in particular. Um, but it doesn't mean that like necessarily if price goes up, it's going to stay up. You'll have all the usual price action. But long term, if the distribution is really wide, it makes it um, much more decentralized in terms of... Um, the overall ownership and how do you feel about like you have a validator so how how do you feel about like the the distribution of like the different validators and things is it pretty even with luna classic you feel i think it's getting better and better especially now because there was a a two-month time period where nobody could start a new validator but now i think even people in this current space have created them um or are planning to uh so now it's getting like even more decentralized it, to start with it was like the the OGs plus um, anyone who managed to either buy a validator or be handed the keys to another one. Like our one came from Galactic Punks. They handed us the keys. They were like, okay, we don't intend to run one on this chain anymore, though we do plan to um, you know, keep Galactic Punks there and stuff. Uh, so that was kind of a, a favor, really, for us. That's why we got in so early. Um, even though we didn't have 
a Lunk DAO validator on the original chain. Um, it was by virtue of the fact that we knew so many people. But then anyone who didn't create or didn't already have a validator at the start, there was a 60-day delay before they could create a new one. So um, really in the last few weeks, a load of new validators have been created. I think the the Vegas validator, all of his little admins and people, um, Classy, if you've spoken to him, Happy Catty, if you know him, all of the, the kind of the Lunk uh, community influencers and managers of different groups and things have been able to create them. So now it's just like, it's it's getting much more fair and much more evenly spread out, which is good, I think. Um, but yours, also- is on, yours is on uh, like what, like a bare metal type of thing or what are you guys running on? Yeah, yeah, just, just bare metal, a home rig. I'm sitting on it now for warmth. Yeah, you just keep your ass warm with it. Yeah, the uh, it's, uh, yeah, it, one of the things too is like validators, if, some of them use like all nodes and some other different like uh, providers. That's not particularly good for decentralization. So no, I think, uh, I think you, you the, want to, yeah. One of the, one of the issues now is like, I think the reason so many people have been able to make uh, validators, um, which I, I, I wanted, but in a different way, but I think like 99% of the new validators that have rolled out are essentially like all nodes um, controlling the infrastructure. And having the people pay some kind of fee, like, a, I don't know, like a um, whatever it is, a, a thousand, a couple thousand a month or something to have it up. But it's it's essentially their business has expanded. The effect of that is that while they while they share the keys and maybe allow people to withdraw withdraw rewards or whatever from that validator, um, they also have the keys themselves. So it's not entirely in the custody of the influencers like um whoever is running them but it's also um part controlled by all nodes so it's a little bit strange that they're controlling so much of the network now yeah and these things are usually not a big deal when things are small when they get bigger um people start analyzing this stuff and then you realize these are failure points potentially so um yeah you, you people should like be careful who they delegate with um you, you know the the folks who are uh, committing to sort of running on uh, bare metal computers and not using like Amazon Cloud or something like that, um, uh, you should support those folks. And that's the sort of downside mm-hmm. with like community validators in some sense, like the ones that just have a YouTube channel or something like that, that don't like commit to the technology first, because then like what, like the validators are supposed to be doing other things too. Like for example, let's say an update gets rolled out. Um, some change to the the code or whatever. If the person is, you know, like maybe a fun YouTuber but has no idea what they're validating um, or like voting for, then they might uh, like, you know, vote for yes for an update, but then the update itself could break the chain. So validators are not simply there to be a popularity contest. There is a like function they serve outside of just hosting a computer. Um, they have to do updates. They have to kind of almost be a, you know, like a auditor in a sense mm. and all that sort of business. And yeah. potentially like people that are developers that run these things sometimes will contribute to the code base of the chain and things like that. So yeah, you want the validators to have a lot of value add to the chain in theory. Um, so that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell happy caddy and classy what you said about them the way you put them down, the way you said they're not qualified to be true validators. Um, they might, they very well might not be, by the way. <laughs> That's a different story. But at the same time, like I think advertising is really important. So 
you know, if yeah, it's validators a weird situation, what's happened? It's a weird situation because on the other yeah. hand, the often the people who run validators are pure nerds, pure infrastructure people who aren't really that involved in the community. It's just that they have the technical know-how. So an ideal situation is that you have some kind of pairing, almost like a, a marriage, like a feminine and a masculine quality, like uh, an influencer on one hand and then a technical person too, like combine yeah, the chain. You know, the chain might need something like, so YouTube influencers and people like that, right? They need to make a living ultimately if they want to do it all the time. Yeah. And um, you could make the argument that, you know, some small fraction of the sort of like, I don't know, the tax or whatever it is from the, the system uh, doesn't just go to the validators, but every validator, you know, has like a small percentage, like maybe like, I don't know, 0.1% or something that goes to some sort of um, strategy to maybe um, like affiliate links or something like that. It has to be automated though, because otherwise it like, it creates a lot of politics mm -hmm. uh, between like which, which YouTube influencer is worth it and all this sort of shit. But you would have to have a scheme where like somehow, you know, you could identify um, that if someone was sort of advertising for the chain, they could get sort of paid for it. But yeah, like uh, Web3 Web hasn't fully sorted out the, the, the like decentralized marketing piece. Like they haven't, like besides like everyone just shilling, right? Like people shilling their own bags. Um, there hasn't been like a cohesive way to, to advertise a chain and bring attention to it, which is actually really important because imagine like, Let's say you create a cure for a cancer, but nobody knows it exists. Like, what's the point, right? Like, you have to get that word out. And uh, so there is a there is a role for marketing. Um, it's not all nonsense in that sense. Yeah. I think you just have to be a good capitalist as well. Like, if you're a good influencer, you just need to find a nerd um, and basically mate with him, breed with him. Um, because the interesting thing about validators and staking and, and stuff like that is that the the entire game to get more stakers is largely the value you bring um, and also your ability to advertise. But at the same time, to run a validator in the first place, to get the metal up running um, and to know how to interact with everything, run updates, do the voting, do everything else requires a, a level of technical knowledge. So if you can either learn that or find some kind of, I don't know, like gremlin little elf nerd creature to do that for you, then you can greatly multiply your success because um, so long as someone does that and solves the technical side of it, which you might not be able to do yourself, but if you're a good capitalist, you can, you can have somebody do that. You can delegate all of that. If you can have that part sold, uh, sold then it's essentially just a sales game. Like it's, it's like whatever you can do, whatever you can contribute to the chain, whoever you can talk to, um, however big of a following you have, whatever your YouTube channel is, um, all of that stuff just just allows you to make it a pure sales game, which is interesting. Um, yeah, because the problem with validators is you could be very, very talented. You could have the cure for cancer, but nobody knows that your validator is any good. Nobody knows it exists. They just see a whole list of like what they consider companies or something. Yeah. They're not sure who's good, who isn't. And uh, like discovering who to delegate with is actually a um, a fairly nerdy process. But mm. honestly, what people do is they'll ask their friends or like, hey, uh, who do I who do I pick as a validator here? And then uh, someone says, "Yeah, I've I, I use Lunkdown, so you should probably use that or something." There's no real due diligence in a sense. And to be fair, there's not a great way for a validator to sort of like um, there's not there's not generally great ways to advertise that you're particularly very good. Like like for example, if someone comes me sees me as a physician 
Like I could have had an enormous amount of experience clinically for many, many years. And when someone shows up to see me, they don't know me from anybody else. And your degrees and whatnot, they don't see all those things. They don't see, okay, you went to this university, you went to that medical school, whatever. You have never had um, you know, malpractice events or whatever. There's no great dashboard, even in like the traditional world, in a sense, to get a sense mm-hmm. of like you, who you're picking. And not only that, but at the moment you're picking, so let's say you went out and bought some coins, you stuck them on your little wallet or whatever. And you're like, oh, I want to you know, delegate and I want to earn some yield on this thing. And I want to vote or whatever. Um, at that moment, you may not have time to figure out all this shit. So you show up in the hospital in some town, you're, you're not going to find the perfect expert that, you know, in the universe of all experts, because you just like, they may not be in your town. They may not be in your sphere. They may mm-hmm. not be like available at the time that you want them and all these other elements. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, chance involved um, with that, which might be good, might be bad, but um, yeah, th- this is a constant problem with uh, yeah. this delegator proof of stake model, in that um, the, not price discovery, but like value discovery in a validator is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's difficult in a lot of ways. Um, another, I think the the main uh, way people decide is simply the percentage commission. Like I remember when. Every, all of the the validators, all of the validators launched when staking was open. Right, they just went straight for the zero percent people, uh, regardless of contribution, regardless of involvement for the past like four or five months, um, regardless of the amount of which they they pushed the vision and burned lunk or whatever else. It was entirely down to like, oh, I'm making more rewards here. I'm just going to go with that person, which is kind of silly because it leads to mass centralization. Um, the reason I didn't like that stuff, and I. I kind of push for a, a minimum commission of say 2% or something was because you get a situation of supermarket pricing. Just like if there's a small town and the small town is full of a lot of small shops with say old people running them or something. And then a big Walmart, a big Tesco, a big grocery store comes into town. What they can do is just lower the prices temporarily um, and kill all of the local businesses because they have a higher surplus of capital, right? They can they can effectively afford to run at a loss for a longer time period. And that's what happens with validators too. Like you get these big companies who run um, validators through a thousand different chains and they have a large surplus of capital or outside investment or whatever else. And they can afford to run validators at 0% for a long time. Now, on the surface, that seems okay because, you know, if you valid, if you stake with them, you're going to get, you know, more money, more awards or whatever. But the effect of that is that some small influencer, some small community member, member who wants to start his validator for the first time and is struggling to get stakers, um, he needs to pay to run the infrastructure, to run the nodes. Now, he needs to be able to break even. And if he has to compete with somebody who can essentially afford to um, run at a loss for a long time period, then he's never going to get to that point. People are always going to pick the 0% guy. So there's like this, this kind of monopolist pricing. Um, and it's, it's all fair. And, and it's like you have to adapt to the rules of the game. And if 0% is allowed, then these big entities with more capital are going to do that. And they are going to win. But it also kind of kills the network. Um, and there's also a spirit of, hey, let, let's do what's best for the whole network. Let's try and have these smaller people participate and let's try and not centralize all of the power. Um, but but like a, a lot of it is down to people's level of knowledge, right? Like when people see these situations, they just see the number on the screen like, oh, that's 0% commission. I'm going to go for that. 
um, they don't see the big picture of like how centralized is the chain going to be? How is it going to affect the small guys? Um, who's actually contributing and how can we support those people like maybe us or whoever else um, or Happy Catty or, or some of the other guys like who've actually uh, given a lot of their, their time and money and profit and whatever else. Yeah, like, outside of outside of like a, a validator just simply promoting decentralization, there's not an incentive for individual validators to promote, number one, any other validators because that's like a financial disincentive. The second thing is that they you, there's not a mechanism whereby like the larger validators can somehow contribute in some way to increasing decentralization by having that power. So there's really no incentive alignment with decentralization outside of the goodwill of a particular larger validator who might say something like, "Well, you know, don't don't uh, don't uh, delegate with us. We have too much power," or something like that. But that's just a weird thing to say if you're a business. It's yeah. like, you know, like, it's like committing to some sort of like, it's almost like, uh, imagine you just simply pay more taxes to your country just so you can kind of help out or something like that. It doesn't make sense. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody does this on a real level. So this is one of the problems with proof of stake that uh, that's what I was talking about the last couple of days, like a network that has like programmatic disasters and things that promote decentralization and you know, promote like oh. disincentivize maybe pools of money becoming too big or almost they need to happen almost programmatically in some way and um you know at the same time they can't be so severe that they they encourage like civil attacks and things like that where people just mm-hmm. like spin up instead of having one validator they'll have six you know or something like that um yeah there's ways to yeah. sort of like mitigate some of this nonsense yeah we'll- you you want to to mimic nature and the natural balance of these these natural systems um, and the way they kind of cleanse themselves periodically as well. Exactly. That the forest fires burn down everything and that affects the soil and it just like replenishes the whole thing. Um, you want to get closer to whatever nature achieves. And and yeah, it's I think it's an interesting idea for sure. I like it. By the way, the, the uh, Mr. Diamond Hands just invited me to the Lunk Live Space. And I noticed that um, when he created it, exactly the same amount of people who've joined his space have left this space. So we lost 30 people and 30 people turned up in that space. So we've got a bit of competition. Now I've messaged Mr. Diamond Hands and I've said like, you motherfucker, come to this space instead. <laughs> let's not let's not cause a war. If you choose to continue running that space, then we're going to have a serious problem. <laughs> I don't care what he does. Like, <laughs> What's the difference? Well, anyway, to combine combine everyone in one space, don't you think? And to have us and him, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and arguably, you know, we have bigger size, we have more influence, right? I was like, Mister, I, I sent him a message. I was like, I was like, Mister Diamond Hands, we have two hundred people in this space. You need to submit and and surrender and join this space. Yeah, either way. Um, yeah, so. Uh, a v-shape or actually i think uh the casante or i'm not sure how you say his name mm. just hanging out here for a bit waiting i think a, kind of a, a beautiful thing for somebody to do would be just in terms of the validator thing as well would be for to make um the creation and the running of validators as something anyone can do I but in a way that that is stepping aside from any kind of centralized control like all nodes running them all or something um i don't know how that would be achieved exactly because you'd probably have to rely on centralized cloud services and they'd probably also have to have the keys or something but if you could achieve that if you could achieve that 
that anyone could start and run some kind of autonomous validator um, and make it as easy as possible. Yeah, it'd be like downloading a, like a BitTorrent or something like that. You know, it'd be an app you run on your computer. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it, it takes care of like some functions of the network and uh, that would create like a crowdsource decentralization and kind of a community effect. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, like uh, when Jacob was on, he's like, yeah, you know, you could pretty much run Cosmos with 200 Raspberry Pis, right? Like you don't need anything too fancy. Mm. Um, but I think the problem right now is that the way that the network is set up, you want maybe 200 validators that have to do things like updates and whatever. But you also want to have some sort of like computational uh, workload being done by the community at large. So if you could have like, let's say maybe 200 core validators, but then you have like thousands or, or millions of um, smaller tasks being done by people uh, that they might feel more enfranchised in the network. Um, even with Bitcoin and such, you know, like that was a thing originally where you could do this on your laptop and whatever. And then later what happened was because obviously the, the, it got more competitive and you know, hashing rewards um, went down. You had to like, in, you know, create increasingly more complicated computers and then ASICs and all this. So there is this kind of like, uh, arms race that ends up happening there when it comes to those types of activities. So you want to have, yeah, I think what you're describing is something that Theta Networks does, which is like a, a video sharing network kind of thing. It's like a decentralized YouTube. Then um, you can download a little app and then run it on your, your um, you know, it, you run it on your computer, almost like a folding at home type of thing where it's, you know, you're, you can contribute with some of your computer cycles to the, to the process, which I think would be cool. Yeah. But yep. again, adds another layer of development complexity and whatever too, though. Yeah. Uh, let's see who is here. Hey, V Shape, what's up, man? Hey, man. What what's good? I just wanted to comment on. Uh, yeah, I I totally agree with you. Um, I see it also as a an issue that so many validator nodes are running over all nodes. So we with LunaPunks, uh, we started also a validator node, and we decided not to go with all nodes. Um, we are running that validator node in Singapore, uh, hippie, uh, he's called Jenin. He is the technical brain behind Luna Punks. And so we decided that having physical access, uh, to the data center where the node is running on, um, gives us another security layer, um, in terms of that the keys are not floating around in the internet somewhere. Um, yeah, and also like for the decentralization part, we decided to to go with a different data center than all nodes. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, that's the kind of things that need to happen. Uh, Raynard, any questions, comments? I think I said your name right, maybe. <laughs> or Mr. Lou, you guys there? Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> People show up. Oh, vamos a caralho, filha da puta, caralho. Tô me chapada para boca toda, caralho. Hmm, Mr. Lee, you'll have to repeat that. I didn't quite understand that. Why why not? I understood it. You being racist. Okay. Yeah, translate for me if you would. I don't know this language. He he asked when when will well, the exact translation is is by what date will Lunk reach $1? That's, I think, the question on everybody. Don't say that. Don't say that. I don't speak English. Okay. Did Did you bring maybe like a translator or something, or like which language are you speaking? Maybe we can use like Google Translate or something like that. Portuguese. Portuguese. 
Portuguese. Okay. Um, yeah, if someone speaks Portuguese here and wants to like translate Mr. Lou's question, that'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah, Bruce, uh, yeah, besides Monk to One Dollar, any other, any other details contained within the Portuguese? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think let's um, let's do English. Ronaldo will buy all Bitcoin in the world. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy all the Bitcoin in the world. Um, I'm working on it very slowly. Hello? Where did Chugaboom go? He joined for a little bit. I thought he would come up and, and um, yeah, no. spend some quality time with us. Uh, Lunkadao. Hello? Yeah, hello. Yeah. Hello? Hello, well, my, myself, PK speaking, PK. Hello, guys. Yeah, hey, what's yeah, going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, uh, my, I want to know that, uh, but I bought up, means uh, Coinbase and we from the last two, three months, we are trying to treat in the Coinbase, but still they are not responding. What is the problem is there? I want to know that. I don't know. Coinbase works perfectly fine to me. It worked fine yesterday and today for the most part. No idea yeah. what you're talking about. I'm not yeah, sure. No. Just yeah. ask Coinbase. Yeah, Coinbase. But yeah, we're not. We don't. We're not Coinbase. You can check to see their uptime and everything. See if something's wrong. I don't know. Uh, but but I started to remove my the coins element sheet from the Coinbase. No. Because I do not want to want to store in the condos. That's problem. That's why. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> they're not supporting the LNC community. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think they are. That's why I already removed the, my friends from the Coinbase. They have to support yeah. the LNC, yeah, because. Lots of the people are they lost uh, money, no? Due to the Luna all one, no? that's why right. you have to support it. Hello, Chugs. Chugaboo. Is there something wrong with this thing today? <laughs> I'm not sure. Everyone keeps hopping on and hopping off. It's very weird. Yeah, I think my Twitter Twitter is also broken. Maybe. Good. Um, What's going on here? What's what's there's Razal Ghul here? Is he like Batman's enemy or something, or his teacher? I'm not sure. I'm um, definitely um, Lungdao. Where's Lungdao? I'm here. I'm here. How can I? I, I, I I'm wondering how how you do that voice. Which one? The uh, I have many voices. The the, the, the chipmunk. Uh. I've probably done about at least twenty different voices, so you have to remind me. The the one with the with with the by the one lunar coin. God, I can't remember. The thing is, I do these things always spontaneously, and then I forget what I've done. Well, there there <laughs> are some. I got to tell you. Do an impression. I can't remember. It's amazing. Well, that's all I got to say. Yeah, I I think you, like you got a fan. You've got a fan uh, in the community. Yeah, I read all kinds of crazy stuff on Twitter. <laughs> all of the um, the weird, like lately there's been all the Doquan conspiracies. Like, uh, uh, have any of you seen that article? It's so fucking funny. Let me um, 
Can you allow Chugaboom to speak? I don't have the ability to for some reason. Yeah, I added him now. Let me find this article. There's, there's, a, there's an article for a crypto news site. I think you can speak now, Chugaboom. Yep, I'm um, we good. There's an article for a crypto news site that's been written up and published by somebody. And it's like CEO Coach Bruce Wrangler accuses uh, Lunkdao of being run by Do Kwon. <laughs> uh, oh, and it yeah. like goes into the details of how CEO Coach Bruce Wrangler is accusing <laughs> of, um, of running these things. And it's like enormous depth. And it's like CEO Coach Bruce Wrangler advises everyone to undelegate from Lunkdao and has undelegated himself. It just makes no sense. But somebody has written it up. Like some, some journalist on some site has written it all up. Let me find this thing. It's so funny. It was actually breaking news, too. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, yeah, welcome to crypto, um, where you, where we can make the news whatever we want. Um, <laughs> I think uh, people don't understand like how easy that is to do. Um, so, uh, like for like for example, to get Bloomberg to pu publish that uh, you know Do Kwan is on the, um, the Do Kwan is on the uh, Interpol uh, red list or what red notice or whatever the fuck. Like you just make up stuff, and next thing you know, they'll run with it. I've had I've had things I've said like just off the cuff uh, about whatever um, published um, in some of those articles. Very funny. I look back afterwards. I'm like, wait a minute. I said that like, what, what are you, that the source is literally like Twitter space or something. Very, very funny. Uh, yeah. What do you guys well, think about, what do you guys think about the uh, USDT D pick? It's uh, I think it's not real. I think it's just coin gecko reporting something, right? Like if you look on the actual exchanges like Binance and Qcoin, there's no, there's no D pick. Um, I've seen the pool, like the three pool thing, where you uh, see the liquidity or percentage, something like that, and it's pretty much uh, doing the footsteps of uh, UST. I'm not saying it happens, but it's like early signs there. Some of them are saying that, so that's mm. one thing to look at, actually. I don't know if it can. Well, USDT that's already had a DPEG event, and it healed over time, and. The system is a bit different. It's not the same as like a Luna UST type mechanism, but um, like in its collateral and everything else. I haven't gone through the nuances of it because I don't own it. I don't like give a shit that much about it, honestly. I don't really mess with anything Justin Sun really does. But anyway, um, yeah, it's it's probably mm. just like arbitrary FUD to a large extent. Um, I'm not saying go buy it. I'm not saying I'm going to go. I, I actually do invest in Tron as well, so I know a little bit about it, and uh, I know what they're up to at the minute. So what was this? Sorry, I was zoned out. I was worried about the little bit of DPEG of USDD or whatever. Yeah, but look at UST. UST DPEG to like 0 0.96 today or whatever. It, it's going to happen. Like, you know, it's, Bitcoin's dropping. The whole economy's dropping, of course. It's going to, well, DPEG a little bit. Like, they, they every coin is going to DPEG just ever so slightly. I mean... Isn't like a DPEG metric, like if it goes below 0 0.94 or some shit like that, that is actually a DPEG. Like it's just a soft yeah. DPEG. Well, you just don't know where the, where the train stops, right? That's the thing. Yeah, so yeah. You, don't, you never know. So there's a point after which like confidence is gone and then you wind up with like a, like a bank run type situation. Um, it can even happen technically with a collateralized system. Um, but if you can go to a site like USDC or Tether's site and you can go directly to the website or whatever, and you can exchange your coin for true dollars, then, um, 
you know, you're much less likely to get a DPEG because then you can just print free money by buying the DPEG coin. Um, so the arbitrage is really where the, the magic happens. I don't know all the different USDD Tron arbitrage mechanisms available now, but um, the biggest problem is like, where, where is USDD listed, Chugs? So like what exchanges? Uh, I, I know there is on Hubai. Uh, boy, I don't even know you got damn set. Like, yeah, because... Obviously, Justin Sun bought that. Uh, I know it. Well, I, there's. I don't know if he's officially bought it, but I know he's got like a, a massive position there. Uh, Polynex, I think it's on as well. Uh, there's a few others. I couldn't tell you specifically where he's listed, dude. I just obviously know yeah, what. Here's, here's the list. Here's the uh, CoinGecko list. So it's like Hobi, KuCoin, Gate, um, Uniswap, Poloniex, uh, like BitMart. Uh, let's see if there's any other big ones here. Um, Mexi not particularly very big. Um, there's uh, Sun.io. I have no idea what that is. Uh, so, and then hit BTC. In other words, a bunch of little bitty exchanges. Um, so I think the danger is relatively low, only because it's just not widely used, um, and probably difficult to widely short it and whatnot. I think that's probably the thing. But at the same time, like. The problem with these decentralized stablecoins of any kind is they need to any exchange that uh, lists them should commit to one to one remittance with any other stablecoin on the network. If they don't commit to that, then they're just basically uh, not telling their customers that these things can depeg and they're pretending like they're a stablecoin by like you know listing them in the rest of the stablecoins in a sense. So I think that. Uh, is a problem, and it's the reason why I think UST Luna crashed. I think that's probably the biggest reason, if I had to really like pin it down, is that like the the exchanges were not acting like proper central banks, and mm. they were not providing one to one remittance. That's it. Like that's all you have to know, and that, like that's how you know that like USDD is pointless, because unless the exchanges commit to one to one, eventually if it gets big enough, it's going to fail. Like that's just what's going to happen. So and it doesn't even matter if it's collateralized necessarily. You can depeg sufficiently enough in in a in a certain setting, unless remittances can sort of keep up. You get into trouble because the other problem is with Tron is like if you have a collateralist Tron, um, you like what if like people malignantly like maliciously short Tron to oblivion while at the same time the depeg's happening, right? Which is what happened like when the drama is happening and Twitter's all excited, right? Look what happened to FTT. Um, basically, people short the shit out of it. Look what's happening to Solana, for example. Same deal. I think there's a bit of a difference. So with TRX at the minute, it's have you seen what they're doing in the Caribbean? It's already been literally. No. So I think Dominican Republic, it's legal tender now. It's completely signed off as legal tender, and uh, Tron are actually building a blockchain that most of the Caribbean are looking to adopt. They're moving the headquarters over to the Caribbean, so it's actually being backed by real world fiat. Uh, like you can actually pay your bills in Tron over in the Dominican Republic. Taxes, everything you can think of can be done via Tron now, which obviously gives it this like massive amount of utility. And if everything goes the way yeah. they're planning, what is it? Isn't the Caribbean dollar like pegged to half the USD dollar at a minimum? So it's like, I'm not sure. Tron, Tron's value goes up to 50 cents just like that once it's fully deployed out. So just, yeah, they, they, they've done what, uh, what? Luna was trying to do with the Korean government and obviously, you know, that the, the, they've actually managed it in the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, these things are beneficial in countries that have maybe more difficult access to real dollars. Um, but yeah, it's hard to hard to say. 
Chucks. What's up, brother? How do you feel about CZ? Do you think he's a good guy or an evil motherfucker? I don't think he's anything. I think he's a businessman and he's just doing business. Like, it's as simple as that. He's, he's not good or bad. Like, he's, he's just neutral. Right, he crashed the market to prove a point. Sure, but who wouldn't if they had that power? <laughs> he's now sitting here. Like, if you actually looked at the charts for Solana this morning, it, there's only one person that could have been buying up as much Solana to, like, hedge it. And that would have been him. Let's be real. And, like, that, I mean, obviously, there's no hard data for it. But it just goes to show that he doesn't want to be responsible for messing with the blockchain. Like, yeah, you know, well, in, in, if you were in any Western country uh, in like, I don't know, if you're in the Euro block or you were in like US or something, Canada, you probably like for what CZ did, you'd go to prison, actually. So like uh, he's not really particularly he, it wasn't a particularly smart thing to even talk about it. Honestly, he should have just let the thing fail if it was going to fail or whatever. But he basically um, I don't know, it would be constituted as like obvious market manipulation as a whole a large holder of the token to yeah. um make the kind of claims he did so he would be in prison now if it was anywhere else or not not immediately but you know what i mean he'd be prosecuted for it in any other major jurisdiction so it's interesting i don't know like i don't know how singapore laws or whatever the fuck work but if yeah like there's no question that this is that was like way more egregious than anything do Kwan did like if people want to make make it sound like he like he needs an Interpol notice and he needs to be hung. Uh, yeah, I mean, like CZ essentially wrecked, you know, God knows how many people's lives who are, uh, yeah. you know, FTT investors. Not to say that Sal, Sam and uh, Alameda and whatever were not just a big clusterfuck. That's, they were. So CZ is correct about that. But he probably should have just said nothing. If it was going to fail, he should have just let it happen on its own, like on its own merits and probably done nothing at all. I mean, I just like the fact that he crashed the company and I was sitting there watching what he was doing. And I must have, I must have said something to you in one of your posts going, there is no way this guy's not going to buy in at a low to like shore up what he's done. And he ends up going and buying the company. And it's just like, what? He took it a step further than what I thought. Yeah, like, the numbers are like FTX was like around five or six billion dollars in the hole. They were looking to raise capital uh, to cover their debts because their collateral fell below value of. Um, of their debts and so they're insolvent by definition and um anyway so so it's an interesting situation overall but i don't think he is uh, in my mind he is to like blame immediately for the the proximal cause of the events um at this point so i may be different if he said oh yeah sure we'll bail you out for five or six billion and they did it under the hood they didn't say anything and they made sure that customer funds on FTX were secured and everything else, but that's not exactly what happened. But, but similarly, like, you know, with Voyager, that's what happened. They lent out a bunch of money to three arrows capital, three arrows capital leveraged the shit out of that, and then went and bought a bunch of shit. And then Ethereum crashed, uh, Luna crashed and everything else. And then three arrows capital, you know, sort of bit the dust. And then Voyager customers on the exchange, or I'm sorry, brokerage were left, you know, not able to get their funds because they had to declare bankruptcy and shut the system down and then figure out who gets what, you know, like whatever is left of value, residual value on, you know, FTT, like how are people going to access that money? And I think, uh, I believe FTT is not, or FTX, I'm sorry, is not in the US. I don't remember if it's British Virgin Islands or where the hell they are, but at least in the US, which is where Voyager was, the court system moved relatively quickly and they're they're in you know bankruptcy court now if you go to other countries that could last a lot longer like like 
like Mount Gox and some of those other events that happened. And people's funds could be stuck there for God knows how long. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Like I think, uh, Al God, uh, what's his name? Al God trading. Remember the guy that was like, you know, saying negative things about Do Kwan. He's like, Oh, I have like $40 million stuck on FTX now. Did you see that? <laughs> I don't know. Or how, how yeah, much money he You see, I, I called him a little bitch earlier and he blocked me. He blocked you? <laughs> what the? Wait, who did you call a little bitch? The, the Al God guy. I, um, <laughs> he scroll, scroll down like three tweets ago. He, uh, he blocked me. Because he was like, oh, I'm so depressed. I'm giving up on crypto. Uh, oh, that um, is. Yeah, yeah. I remember, uh, yeah. <laughs> the thing about that guy is he has like an eight-figure portfolio. So it's like a, a many, many millionaire, many times. He's the, one that, he's the one that bet against Do Kwan that, that uh, Luna would crash, remember? People know, oh. his, people know his wallets as well. So he's got like millions visible and more on FTX and more wherever else. Um, so he's a guy with like an eight figure portfolio who's done very well for himself. And like, just because of, um, the loss of some millions or whatever, he's like having a crybaby squealing fit. But the, the, the thing I was like talking about is that when he posted that thing, you can scroll down on our tweets and have a look when he posted that everyone commented like, Oh, hang in there, man, everything will be okay. And I just, I just thought the whole thing was so fucking pussyish. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, he's dealing agree. with hardship. He's not dealing with illness. He's not dealing with any. He's still got eight figures. He's got like ten million dollars plus, <laughs> and they're all <laughs> pretending like he's lost his leg or something. Jesus Christ! It's like uh, first world problems. Just nothing. But yeah, no. I, I said that. I said this is. I, sick I wouldn't even say first world problem. It's one percent problems. Like he's part oh, of exactly. one bloody percent. Like it's ridiculous. Like you know he. But nothing, nothing will affect him. He's sorted for life. Do you know what I mean? He's got generational wealth sitting there and he's crying about a bad deal. <laughs> yep. I posted this is like shocking and sickening that anyone is coddling this little crybaby. Like what I really, what I really wanted to type, even though like I, I'm not allowed to because of Twitter, I wanted to type like <laughs> anyone who is comforting this little squealing crybaby should be thrown into a giant blender and pulverized and liquefied into a protein shake. You know what I mean? Like, like it should be that bad, but you get banned for that kind of thing. Oh, on Twitter, you're not allowed to threaten people. Well, hang on. You weren't allowed to. You're allowed human now. So, uh, you, no, uh, no. It's still the old, um, the old system is still in place. Chugs, you know I've been permanently banned on my normal account twice. Uh, yeah. Gimp and using the word midget in just a, a funny, joking way. <laughs> so that, that's how bad it is. There's no actual sync into Twitter there at the, by that point. Now he has. So, you know, I think, I think times have changed. But I don't know if the rules have fully changed yet, but I know his plan is to, like, make it a friendlier, like, you know, yeah. you can talk sort of space. Like, you can make these sort of jokes and if people cry about it, it's like, oh, fuck off. Like, go away. <laughs> Yeah, it'll take a while though. Everything is just in place for now. I think. I think a lot of remember it's he's the one that brought up that million dollar bet that with Do Kwan that um, Luna would fail or DPEG or whatever. And you know, he his the bet was that Luna would be trading under a certain amount. I don't remember how much the amount was by the end of twenty, like by the end of this year, I think. So anyway, yeah, that was the that was sort of the genesis of some of the drama with like Luna UST, and then. Uh, what's his name? GCR or whatever came and bet a lot more. How much was it? Ten million against Doe, something like that. Anyway, or so, and then Doe's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll make that bet, whatever." And so, it's the funny thing is because like, if you don't take the bet, you have one set of problems. In that it was like, well, you know, he doesn't really believe in the Luna chain or something. 
or doesn't believe in the mechanism. And on the and you could basically just like, you know, shit post and harass them forever. And if you take the bet, you can shit post and call him arrogant or whatever and say, look, he was gambling and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it's public perception. And like in the crypto space is very much like bravado. It's very much shit posting. It's like who can shit post longer? <laughs> it's a very much a fake it till you make it type of experiment. Mm. Yeah. The um the interesting thing about that bet though is that it, I think it was made in mid March. So another question is like, does it still count if in the new lunar? Um, does it still apply? What if? Because uh, I think it was made at about eighty eighty five eighty eight something like that dollars. So if if lunar gets back above eighty eight dollars by March next year. Does does Dogecoin get out unscathed? Just through, I mean, maybe not technically, but just through the sheer achievement, you have to give it credit if that happens. Well, I think to be fair, if Dogecoin manages to like get his new coin back up to eighty dollars or even like close to that, I, I I think he's done well for himself considering all the you know negativity against him. It's one of those things that like yeah, all right, you may not agree with Dogecoin and everything, but like he's obviously successful and he obviously has like the strong backing behind him. If he can replicate his success twice over, like in what three or four years, like it's, it's it's almost ridiculous. Do you know? <laughs> he will as well. Like he's he's a ridiculous, um, industrious, beautiful man. It remains to be seen. I wasn't here for the first lunar coin, so uh, I'm just sticking around. I've got obviously the sec some some stake in the second lunar coin, but like it'd be interesting to see how it goes. Do you know what I mean? For someone that wasn't around for the first one. I guarantee, Chugs, he is probably the, the best builder in crypto. You're still here, by the way, um, Sefi. He's uh, changing titles. Like, yeah. Titles have just changed, so uh, he's been <laughs> just sitting there doing that. I think, um, I think Do Kwon is probably the best builder in terms of like speed and execution and just getting shit done really quickly um, in maybe all of crypto. The way, the way he manages his teams and stuff. The old ecosystem was so fucking slick. Um, and all of the things he built the way he loaned out devs and got all the other protocols made and stuff. It was cr- crazy good. Um, you had to kind of see it to experience it. But like, if you just remove the component of the algorithmic stablecoin and just look at everything else, it's like, it's phenomenal. It's really, really good. Um, and a lot of, all of that stuff is still there, bear in mind. Like well, yeah, one I was thing- about to say, it, the system died and it still it came back without any involvement from him. It was built for resilience, clearly. So he must be, you know, somewhat decent. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure if I've rugged or if Sefi's rugged. Oh, sorry, I've you've rugged. Yeah. Oh, okay, no, okay, no one's rugged. It's just keep saying that you were talking. Yeah, never mind. Oh. You still here, Sefi? We're getting nervous. Yeah, I'm kind of got this like <laughs> kind of overcast sky, so it's like. I don't know if like my connection's gonna maintain. I'm kind of driving to work. <laughs> oh, are you on your way to work now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, yeah. So I think the thing is like the the post perception of Doe, you know, like probably ninety nine percent of people or more, obviously, well, obviously ninety nine or more, <laughs> like. Uh, have no idea what he did or didn't do. Actually, it's all just pure internet hearsay. It's articles by all sorts of people. It's like, you know, mediocre reporting, like very few interviews, by the way, of anyone that's actually worked with him. Have you seen very many of those, Bruce? No, but I'll I'll give you some secret alpha. 
uh, I heard from a certain person that a full audit of all of um, Do Kwan's transactions and stuff is coming out quite soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had mentioned that um, something was coming out in the next month or something. Uh, exactly when, I think, is not clear because it's a lot of work. I think it's... Uh, when did you hear that from him or in the interview, do you mean? Um, well, it's already been like a couple of weeks since it was sort of mentioned, so I don't know. Um, well, what when, I heard when, is this, this thing is coming up quite a bit prior to the, the unlock. Okay, yeah. So, so it's very soon. soon. As in major name-clearing kind of thing. Um, because a lot of the... A lot of the criticism, although it's not very logical, is like, where did the funds go? Who did he give them to? What were his personal accounts? Did he profit from this? Like, did he short UST himself, whatever? Um, so all of the, the trading logs and everything are coming out, I think. So that should be good. Um, it's, 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 I don't know. If, if you think about this stuff just logically, most of the criticisms don't make any sense at all. Like, if you truly wanted to rug it, do it at the peak value, um, not at the bottom. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. It's just a lot of the criticism is so fucking stupid. How much did he actually spend trying to like make? Yeah. If he wanted to like, uh, dump on the, like if TFL wanted to dump on the, the rest of the world could have easily done. So in numerous, like multiple, uh, instances, they could have done this, right? Like there was so many opportunities uh, for TFL themselves to sort of like take profit on some of the team tokens, which were not vested, by the way. So they could have done whatever anytime. Um, it says a lot that, you know, that was a very controlled process with like that Project Dawn thing, for example, to sort of bring back value to the developers and whatnot who like were early in that system to kind of pay people with that Project Dawn funding, even though the numbers were fairly high. Still, though, um, like that was a very controlled thing compared to how much money TFL could have spent, you know, well, you know, billions of dollars worth of value mm -hmm. TFL wallet. So yeah, I don't, I think it's all fine. I don't see anything particular suggestive of malignancy. Like if like, yeah, if you were to set me up in that little office and, you know, make, ha give me a bunch of ways to sort of like steal a bunch of money, I could have sat there and like probably siphoned off billions uh, during that process. Um, you know, and I don't see any hallmarks of any of that shit going on with, with TFL in that process. Mm. So you're, you're admitting that you siphoned off billions. Just did I hear you correct? Uh, I'm saying I could have if I was sitting there working on it. <laughs> like, I could have come up with like myriad suggestions of how to do so without being noticed. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. And, and, and also they did things like, um, you know, they did defend the peg. They used all of the funds and stuff that would have been a very easy rug. <laughs> he still had solitary control. Um, it wasn't a multi-sig or anything like that. The, the LFG funds. Um, I don't know. It was, um, yeah, he like, had many, many opportunities to steal a lot of money, but he didn't. Yeah. You could like, when you have strong insider information, like let's say you're a founder of a project or anything like that. Um, you could basically, uh, have an account on every exchange you can possibly imagine, including all the DEXs that contained things like UST or Luna or whatever. If they wanted to do anything particularly um, secretive, um, there's a, just there's so many avenues they could have taken. 
And they could have had all sorts of like poison pill types of things in terms of like wallets that were undisclosed and this and that. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that could have been done if they wanted to be really malicious, but there's no real evidence that that would be the case. Like <laughs> there's a, the amount of uh, work involved with creating a project and then building all of the different um, platforms they built uh, is a very long-term thing. And it's not usually the mindset of scammers to create that type of a system. That'd be like saying like, okay, Apple is going to rug pull your motherfuckers. You know, you bought the stock and now they're all going to dump on you. Um, there's not a really great reason to believe that, uh, you know, yeah. that that would happen. Like let's, let's build a, a, a huge comprehensive ecosystem. Let's spend four years developing it. Let's name my daughter Luna. Let's spend 18 hours a day on this for, for years and years and years. Um, but, but it's all a rug. It's all a rug because people lost money. Um, just, I don't know. It's, it's all kind of silly, isn't it? Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, I think people are starting to wake up to it though. And I think, um, one thing that also helps is just the, the prevalence of true criminals in the space, like truly malicious actors, right? Like people who've used, uh, exchange funds and, and whatever their own funds and done things like, um, lend them out and, and all this stuff like real real criminals and also i think cz is pretty evil um obje- i think cz is probably the most evil man in the world um and we'll realize that long term i i guarantee that sefi um i there's something i don't know what it is because i work as a meditation teacher some of my time like a third of my time and i used to be a buddhist monk so i have a very good um what i call like a, a, a spiritual feeling for people and when I look at CZ, I see the devil. I honestly see the devil. Um, I see a nefarious kind of entity. That guy, I, I don't know, he's like, we can, we talk about um, Luna sometimes, right? Like with Luna and UST, CZ invested very early. He understood it. He advertised UST as stable. And as Sefi says, he didn't guarantee one-to-one redemptions despite advertising as stable. Um, and by the way, he deleted all of his advertisements after the crash. Um, he, he facilitated and profited enormously from the shorting of UST and Luna. Um, I also think he closed withdrawals and deposits at different points. So to, it kind of limits the, the chance of the stability mechanism to get it back to peg if one of the pools is closed. Um, and then immediately when the crash happened, he acted ignorant. Oh, I never knew about this. It's just one of my teams invested. Um, he immediately tried to transform himself into the hero against Oquan. Uh, hey Bruce, and, could could you elaborate how you see him as a devil? Like, does it manifest like a visual thing, or do you get some vibe about him? I really would like to have some insight there from how you see that, or how you feel it. Yeah, I, well, I think it's not a unique capacity. I think all you need to do is is clear your mind, maybe silence your mind, either through one of the the different methods of transcendence like prayer or meditation or maybe breathing exercises um, or even going to a place that you associate with stillness. Um, and when you're in that mental space, just open your phone, get up a picture or a video of, of CZ and just let his vibes come towards you. Let, let kind of marinate, almost like you're a potato placed inside an oven and the oven is going at about 200 degrees centigrade or something like that. And you're allowing yourself to marinate in the oven and soak in the juices. 
it, it, it's kind of like that. You marinate, you soak, you allow yourself to just be the pure receiving, the kind of the, the ever-present and timeless sensitivity of this present moment that receives all of the vibes. Um, and notice what happens in your body as you look at CZ. And what happens with most ordinary humans is they begin to feel very uncomfortable. Um, and this is the sign of the devil. It's the sign of bad vibes. Um, just, just look at a picture of CZ. Do nothing. Sit on a chair. Open your phone. Get a picture of CZ open. Look at him. Look at his face. Um, the, the overwhelming perception is that the outward appearance of this guy is completely contrived. It's, it's completely pretend. And his machinations, what is going on inside him, are utterly different. Everything on the surface is a strategically chosen superficial appearance for a particular end. Everything he does in life is a means to an end, and that end is full control. There's a reason he invested so much money in FTX and these other exchanges so early. It's so he could one day fuck them over at a key moment where he could claim some kind of moral supremacy. Um, he's been waiting for this stuff for a long time. His vision is for Binance to be the only way to trade cryptocurrency in the whole world. Um, he will not stop for anything less than world domination. The thing you need to understand about these guys is they don't get in these positions without being truly ruthless. Guys like Jeff Bezos and, and Mark Zuckerberg and um, CZ, they do not enter those positions unless they are psychopaths. Um, this guy is a maniac. He is, he's, he's fucked over everyone around him. He's climbed over bodies. He has no problem at all trading against his own investors. All of the people who are longing FTT, well, he just fucked them over. How many suicides has he caused? I can tell you at least a thousand times more than Do Kwon ever did, um, if you're going to attribute that. Um, th this guy is the devil. Just, just look at his picture and try and feel into the vibes. And what you'll feel is that you want to, to flee. You want to escape from this guy because he has demonic energy. You know, there's <laughs> one thing I, I saw about CZ. Uh, when he actually started to invest in crypto, he sold his apartment in Shanghai and used that funds to buy Bitcoin, right? And to a Chinese person, this time and age, the home is actually the most important thing to the family. Usually Chinese guys, they, they, they rather cut off their hand than selling their home. And this tells something about people. Yep. And he has this, he has this story. Oh, I came from poor background. I used to work in McDonald's and KFC. Oh, I sold my home. I took a big risk. I did this and this. No, he's, this guy is a fucking strategist, man. Like I, I, I'm a, I'm a high level chess player and I'm also a high level propagandist, um, who can brainwash a lot of people quite easily as Chugs and Sefi know. And as many of you here know, and when I look at CZ, even I am frightened and like, I count myself as being somebody who's made many deals with the devil. You know, I have called upon nefarious spirits. You know, I have done rituals. I have drawn pentagrams with chalk on the floor, and I have summoned certain spirits to um, allow Lunk to reach a dollar. I've done all these things. I've dealt with these entities, and I know the trade-off. Um, you know, I've, I've uh, agreed to have a rash all over my body for weeks so that Lunk could do double in price. Um, I've agreed to these things. You know, I've, I've allowed myself to be a sacrificial sheep for the whole community. Um, I've allowed my body to be ravaged by disease and warts and, and genital rashes and all kinds of things specifically to help the lung community. I've done this again and again. So I know how these, op these entities operate. And I know that CZ would not have achieved his current position unless he sold the entirety of his soul to the devil. Trust me, I, I, I guarantee this will come out in the end. 
And this, my friend, this is when CZ says, he hears like a snippet of this and he goes, yeah, I'm not burning lunk anymore. Yeah, it's kind of like a, That's it's it. like a trust me bro <laughs> thing, right? Um, yeah, like, I, th- I think I could believe that. I'm, I'm not sold that he's the devil. I just think he's autistic when it comes to uh, crypto and he just has an objective and he just wants it. I think you were right, though. I think he wants to take over the whole crypto world. I genuinely think that's his plan. He wants to be the puppet master behind everything, like, you know, some sort of like mobster mentality. But like Putin with Russia right now, but with crypto. So, like, no one makes a move in crypto unless he's the okay, is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Bruce, he's can you hear me? I can, yeah. Can you hear okay. Chuck? Yeah, it's, I'm back again. It's like, I think there's some, my connection's about to like fizzle out or something. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of debatable. Don't I've got worry. to work a little bit too. So, if, uh, if I drop off, you know what's going on. Anyway, um, yeah, the I think uh, I've you know I'm in a similar kind of position, right? I've seen like you know something in the neighborhood of like you know ten twenty thousand people die. I have seen you know every form of like uh, silliness and chaos the human race can elicit on any given day, and um, yeah, there's no question that yeah to function at that level you have to there's a certain level of ruthlessness that's pretty much required as part of the job in a sense. Oh, um, you just don't both, get there with both. It. Yeah. You, you both. Cause like, if you want, you know, you want like a war, a philosopher King or a warrior King to run your, um, your system, because like, you know, who's going to defend it otherwise, right. You're going to get some pussy to defend it. No. So it, you wind up having to have a certain amount of ruthlessness necessary to sort of like handle people. Cause as you know, like, uh, when you look at the quote unquote community, you know, you have like, you know, 90% or more dimwits who have no idea what they're doing. Hey so man, who are you speaking about? You have, to, you have to push all those people off essentially, right? So you're, yeah, whether you're CZ, the Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. Hey, the fuck. hey, 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 who are you calling yeah. the dimwit, man? Um, Chugs. Go fuck yourself. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, why, why me? Why, why, why are you bringing me really? in this fucking. I really. <laughs> I really forced his hand there. He was like scrambling his brain and he was like, ah, who's going to be offended least shit. Oh, Jesus Christ. He's looking at everyone. He's like, there's a guy with a cat, like, you know, screaming in the background in a suit. He might be a bit offended. Like there's a guy with a clown. Well, I think Chuck's yeah. connection's no good. He can't defend himself or something, which makes it even better, right? Oh, can you not I hear me? I can't hear him. Oh. <laughs> Something's wrong. Can you uh, hear Chuck, Seppi? Oh, no. No, I think my connection's broken. I, uh, like, everybody's, I can only yeah. hear some people some of the time now. <laughs> Well, uh, I'll Chugs, be right back. Chugs was uh, upset and offended and um, pleading his uh, case. That, tell him exactly what I said, Bruce. Tell yeah, me yeah, exactly yeah. What yeah. So, so Chugs was saying that even though you call him a dimwit, he can appreciate like why you think that. <laughs> You're you such a that. fucking clown, you. Right, and he back. said that Chugs he was said, arguing he, that he took an IQ test before and scored 95 yeah. several times. Um, so he's not technically a dimwit. If we define dimwit as maybe one SD below the mean, which is about 85, um, He's not a dimwit. He's average. He was he arguing said, for his averageness. He also said you offended him, and he's not coming back. He said he's gonna. He the reason he goes to the gym is to train to fight you. Yeah, you're yeah. Good, I, th- I think you <laughs> fuck yourself when you made that comment. Ignore what he just said. <laughs> <laughs> he he put me on the spot. I had to pick. Somebody. Yeah. I kind, of, I kind of gathered it would be me because it just seems, seems to be my role as the guy that sits there just going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what, today, I'm just going to tell you to go fuck yourself. No, that's not true at all. Like, I'm usually the one who's bullied Chugs. Um, so thank you for, for being in that role. 
um, once once in your life. You know, I, I'm usually the victim here. I'm the one who's targeted by everyone. The, the periodic what punching bag or something? Yeah, I'm the victim. Um, I, I realized though, like I've all even in school when I was five years old, children used to line up, and when I'd walk down the corridor in school, they'd they'd put their leg out and trip me and I'd fall over. And then the next kid would, would line up and put his leg out and then he'd trip over again. So in order for me to get anywhere in school from one side of the school to the other, I had to trip over about 10 times. Did you um, not think to like walk around, thing. like, you know, you've got this high IQ and you didn't think just to like walk just outside of their leg reach, you know, or did they just like line up either side of the corridor and just leave their legs out the entire time? No, I think you learn your you learn your place. Did you see that video I posted about a week ago with the fleas in a jar? It's quite interesting. Like, yeah, you, you called me the one of them fleas. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Maybe it's a it's a video where fleas are put in a jar, like these juvenile fleas, and the top is screwed on. And naturally, a flea is capable of jumping far beyond the the top of the jar. It can jump more than the distance from the bottom to the top of the jar. Um, but it's left on for three days. And then you open the lid after three days and the fleas have learned by then to never try and jump higher than the lid. Um, so they never do again. They're, they're programmed in their adolescence to never jump higher. And the interesting thing is that they can breed and make children. And the, the juvenile baby um, fleas that are created by the lovemaking sessions of the adult fleas, they also learn to copy the parents and never jump higher again. So like there was a similar thing for me, just a, a pure kind of, so um, Bruce, Pavlovian you, you, conditioning. You learn where... to stumble without someone's leg, or what's the story there? I didn't hear you. Go ahead. I said you learn to stumble without someone putting his leg in your way. I think there's a possible community proposal that can be made. Maybe the Luna Classic or the Luna community could go and put a proposal up that says something along these lines: We will have a community fund to fund astrologers, witch doctors, um, and uh, like um, warlocks and other sorts of like satanic peoples. And, oh, and they will be funded AIs, to, Sophie. Yeah, AIs, to, 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 to hex CZ and set and, and to attack against Steph, it wouldn't work. Like, how can you hex the devil? Like, he's the creator of magic. Like, it'd just it'd be it'd be a waste of money, dude. Yeah, that you may be right. It may be a stupid proposal. You probably should vote no with veto on that one. Yeah, that, that burn that tax, mate, straight up. Chugs, here's a question. Um, Go for it. Do you you know a little bit about Sephi, right? But not too much. You know, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I know bits and pieces. Yeah, go on. Mm-hmm. Do you know how old he is? No, uh, I'd say he's in his foot. No. Well, he's got a snow. He's not. He's oh. older. He has to be older because he's got a kid that's eighteen. His youngest oh. is eighteen. So, don't do that. Don't do that. I, I want you to describe what you think he looks like based on his voice, like height. You can't do that based on height. I can say he's. Oh, I'm trying to think now because it's one of those things where I, I genuinely think he's of Indian descent. Intuition. Like, uh, like I genuinely think he's of Indian descent. Uh, he's obviously been. He's not obviously a first generation. I'd say he's a second, third generation of Indian descent from just from the way he carries himself and like mm. you know the whole family structure that he set up and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, I'd say he's. I mean, I, I'm probably completely fucking wrong here. Uh, he's in his late forties because of the age of his kids. That's the only reason why I think that. No logic. Uh, that's 
Yeah, uh, no logic. Okay, I mean, if it was no logic, mate, I'd say he's about 28. <laughs> yeah. He sits in a basement. He's not actually a doctor. Uh, he has good bits of fun reading knowledge online uh, and replicating that knowledge in a, in a conversation. He's very, very good at absorbing knowledge and obviously just, you know, understanding it. So uh, almost like a savant level of uh, understanding when he starts reading something, but obviously not quite a savant. Uh <laughs> 5'11", I'd say, uh, probably wears jeans and a shirt on a good day, like if he's just going out on a bow. That's, that's how I describe him. Yeah, what do you think he's a bench press? Like one rep max, barbell with a pause, one oh, second pause on the chest. Uh, flat, yeah? Flat, flat barbell bench press um, with a fairly narrow grip, not too wide. You don't want to tear his pecs if they're like fragile and untrained. Eight, eight, 80 to 90, I'd say. Kilograms or pounds? Kg, kg. Wow, that's that's much more than somebody untrained. Untrained would be maybe no, the, the average the average six foot male should be able to bench eighty kg for a one rep max. You never said a full set; it's just one set, or just one rep. I don't know, Chugs. Maybe if they train a little bit. I've I, I mean, I used to do powerlifting, and I've seen new people come into the gym again and again and again. I'd say the average to start with maybe 55, 60, something yeah, like that. What do think about his job? He's constantly moving about. He is active. You know, he's. I mean, are you in? Are you a surgeon, Seppi? Have you done surgery, or are you just are you an MD? Yeah, I'm in intensive care, so I, I'm, I'm more of a medical doctor. Okay, so he's more of a medical doctor, but there's still that, that, like, that mentality of stress. And you, you of all people, know that when it comes to the gym, oh, it's mentality as well. Food. That there's will involved as well as muscle. So, like, you know, even if you're not as strong as the guy next to you, you might be able to outlift him just due to sheer willpower and, like, the ability to just push. Do you know what I mean? No. That's, that's a bit like the concept of going red. Oh, mate, when anyone annoys me, I go red. I see red. I can win a fight. I can, I can beat anyone when I'm angry because I see red. I can beat anyone. I can push any fucking weight. <laughs> it's like, or like the thing where the, the mother gets some heroic strength, like the car is crushing her and she needs no, to... No, that's, that's adrenaline. That, that, that's adrenaline. That's not anything to do with like you, you're mixing two things up. For example, there's this uh, famous arm wrestler. Uh, I always forget his name. And he goes around the world. He wrestles like these people are, like five times bigger than him that can out bench press him can do other things careful man you talk to an expert arm wrestler okay but the point is he even if he doesn't win he's got that mentality and that will where he can he just forces himself to stay upright and then he knows the other guys he he psychs them out if that makes sense and you can use willpower to push through like for a one rep max like you know when i when i was trying to get to 100 kg i I was able to do that and i wasn't just me or is chuck's connection really bad no you need to rejoin level 10 you keep interrupting chucks he's been very offended by you Um, (laughs) you can't hear him now but like he keeps saying like why is that guy disrespecting me (laughs) bottom line is dude i think 80 to 90 uh and uh, it could be from a low end to a high end just due to his personality and like from what he does day to day yeah. Well, have you ever done a one rep uh, bench press, Sefi, or five reps or something? Oh yeah, I like own a gym. Remember? <laughs> so I know, like, I know you yeah. do, but, but you said before you don't really do much physical stuff yourself. Not lately. Been uh, preoccupied with other things, but yeah. Um, let's see. What was the? I don't know. I probably at best was like I'm pretty weak, so I probably did like mm. I don't know. Um, maybe like maybe like 150 pounds or something like that bench was probably yeah. where I was at. I didn't, yeah, not, not too much. For reps? Or- no, like just like 
for a bench, like that's about as much as I used to bench. Not not too much. So just under seventy kilos. Okay, that's a yeah, like right. ten reps or just one or what? Uh, I think it's like twenty. Oh, then yeah, you would easily be able to probably hit the eighty kg if you're doing that for twenty. That's that's good endurance. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's um like times one point three, four, five, something like that. So yeah, decent. Not too bad. Probably probably lifting like two hundred pounds for one. Uh, Bruce, I'm gonna drop because I've got some stuff to do. So I'm gonna have to get started at work. <laughs> we'll catch up later this afternoon or something. Okay. Um, I want Bye. you to to stay safe today. Take care. I love you. Later, boys and girls. Yeah. Oh. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was a Cheppy Space, a free lecture by Professor Cephalopod, PhD, MD, MBBS, also known as Lunk Luna FTT and the drama that CZ caused. Recorded on Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit, like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements. Of course, we're tripping balls. And it reports it The latest proof ain't a way to move Change of view Just a bunch of pack of heads Living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner Finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute Then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch Dope shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big drip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move chase of you just a bunch of pecker heads living in a chicken coop picking at the dinner finger licking like the plate is good so kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do two plus two show me what that thing could do two plus two show me what that thing could do two plus two show me what that thing could do two plus two